Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey! Hey, everybody! Hello! <laughs> Oh, wow. I am so excited to talk to you. Did we have a week off or something? We had a week off. <laughs> Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So bushy of tail. Here we are to talk to you about Doppelgangland, but hang tight because we have some really important things to discuss. The first one being prom. So let me tell you all a story. Jenny and I were like, well, we're in season three. They have a prom. It's a no-brainer. We have to have a prom. It's going to be great. We're going to do it in L.A. because that is where we currently reside. And we're going to do it at the Ace Hotel because that'll be super fun. And they're going to partner with us. And we're going to have this beautiful space. And the space isn't, like, super big. But it can, like, hold about what we usually have. Yeah, just, like, our, a reasonable amount like, of people. It'll probably sell out in a couple of weeks or something. So then we announced the prom. And I saw a flutter of conversation happening, and many of the conversations started with them going to book plane tickets. And I thought, <laughs> I thought to myself, oh dear, oh bother. I have underestimated the Scoobies and their desire for a Buffy prom. Uh, and I was very panicked that perhaps we would sell out quickly. And I told my wife, Jenny, I was concerned. And then we released the tickets on Wednesday. And Kristen refreshed her browser three times. Once. Twice, three times a sold out prom. And I was like, you know, normally, like, if, if I were a business woman, <laughs> which I'm not, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, look at us go. But instead I was like, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> I've ruined everything. Uh, I felt so bad. We both feel so bad that we did not understand the, uh, you know, volume of the, the passion. Enthusiasts? As Angel would say, the passion. Passion. So we, our biggest hope, which we were not able to accomplish, was that maybe we could figure out a way to, you know, really increase the capacity by a lot. We were able to increase the capacity by a little bit um, at the venue at the Ace, but we weren't able to get everybody who wanted to go in. And so first and foremost, we are so sorry. Second and second most, we will be having another prom next year. Maybe we'll just have a prom every year for the rest of our lives. Hooray! And I can't explain to you the details yet, but because of the interest that you all expressed and because of the fact that we would like to have a prom next year, there are some pretty exciting things happening behind the scenes. So if you are sad and you didn't get a ticket, just hang tight because I think big things are in store for you in your future. Yes. Yes. Uh, and yes. that said, you know, we decided that the day after prom, if you are local to the area, if you live nearby, on March 11th, so the prom is March 10th, the evening of March 10th is Saturday night. March 11th is a Sunday, and at 11:30, we're going to just do a meetup in Griffith Park. You can find the beginning details for all of that on the prom page, bufferingthevampireslayer.com/prom. And as we have more, you know, meetup specifics and all of that, where exactly in Griffith Park, so we're not all just running around Griffith Park screaming, <laughs> buffering. Are you here for buffering? Uh, we'll put that up and we'll also, of course, announce it in the podcast. So um, if you didn't get tickets Sunday, March 11th, if you live near here, everybody who has gone to prom, you should join us. And everybody who didn't get to go to this prom, you should all join us. I'm going to make Jenny bring her guitar. Hooray. We're going to hang out. Uh, you know, bring snacks, bring blankets. It'll be really, really lovely and really sweet. And then just like hang tight because 
you know, this Big is, things on the horizon. This is prom number one, and there's going to be more. And I'm excited about things that are happening that I can't tell you. Cool. <laughs> one other thing about prom. Because you're all excited and we're excited, people have been reaching out to us to say, hey, I live in New York, and I thought, like, it would be really cool to do a meetup here for prom, and, like, maybe we could even do it at the same time as prom. And uh, I know that many of you in other cities and other towns and other places across the world might really want to use this as an opportunity. It also happens to be the anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So the 21st anniversary of the airing of the pilot. Yes, the DVD box set can drink now. Uh, can can have a cocktail. Uh, anyhow, you know, you might want to do a gathering. And so we decided to centralize that so that you can all see and find each other even more easily than, uh, than you normally can. So on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom ups, which is like meetups, but with prom. So, you know, P-R-O-M-U-P-S, prom ups, uh, you can find a submission form where if you want to hold a meetup, you know, it could be anything. It could just be like a, a small little gathering that you want to have where you watch, you know, the an episode, the, the prom episode together. It could be something where you want to, you know, all meet up at a coffee shop or meet up at a bar or, you know, whatever it is that sounds fun to you. Just submit it. We can pop it up on the site. And then while we have our prom in L.A., you all can be doing really fun prom things together, too, and we're going to use the hashtag prom ups as well. I don't know what's a good hashtag, but you know what? <laughs> I made it up and I'm sticking to it. Um, but if you if you use that hashtag prom ups to announce, you know, your meetups and, and also, like, when you're having them, post your pictures, then we can all sort of see what we're all doing together. So great. So, so, so exciting. Yeah. So you can find all of those the details. The prom heard around the world. <laughs> You can find all of those details, again, at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom uh, in case all of my talking just started to sound like one <laughs> long wail and you missed some of it. It's all there for you to find out. We're really excited. We're really sorry that we that we didn't think ahead to how many of you would want to come in from out of town and, and on and on and on. But we know now. And now we shall take over the world. Yes. <laughs> uh you know what else, Kristen? What else, Jenny? Wow. Um, we have a couple new shirts up for pre-order at this very moment. It's w true. One of them is directly related to the episode we're about to discuss, it's, Doppelgangland. Mm -hmm. It says, Willow in the streets, Vampire Willow in the sheets. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Copyright Kristen Russo. <laughs> that was Kristen's 2018. Brilliant light bulb. <laughs> and then ran, we also. I ran down the stairs and was like, Jenny. Yes. I had an idea. Yeah. I keep think, envisioning it in my mind and bursting out into gales <laughs> of laughter at inopportune moments. And then we also have an amazing shirt uh, via Bad Girls designed by Mallory Volk uh, that is representative of the local girl gang yes. in Sunnydale, yes. the Slayers. If you remember the scene where they're sitting in the back of the police car and the police officers are like, what are you, bug? That's what they sound like. <laughs> and Faith's like, yeah, we're called the Slayers. Oh, my God. A TV show where all of the men just sound like the parents on Charlie Brown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. Um, okay. Also, just want to remind you that our Patreon patrons at uh, the $10 level and above get 20% off merch all the time. Useful to know if you are planning on snagging these shirts and or becoming a patron. Yes. There might be some mutual beneficial activity that you could uh, 
take advantage of. Yes. And Great. you can find the store, of course, on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. Uh, and also you can find Patreon there. Just click on Patreon. We've really made it very easy yes. uh, for everyone. Uh, last but certainly not least, we want to let you know that within this discussion of Doppelgangland, we got the chance to speak with Lonnie Diane Rich. Who is a dream. Who is a dream. If you don't already know Lonnie, Lonnie is the owner of Chipperish Media, where she talks about stories and storytelling. She's a story expert. She's an award-winning podcaster. She's a New York Times bestselling novelist. And perhaps most importantly, she does a Buffy video series and podcast called Still Pretty. Many of you have been con- like asking us to connect with Lonnie for some time, and we have done it here within this interview. Yeah, Thank you for encouraging that. Do you know what it was like talking to Lonnie? You know when the sky is overcast but then the clouds are parting and then there are like these very specific beams of sunlight Mm. uh shooting down upon the earth and like uh illuminating it with a heavenly glow i do i know exactly what it was like standing (laughs) in a series of those beams so if you if you you know listen to the episode you too shall get to stand within the beams yes stand within the beams Um, and also so you know a segment of the interview is shared here our patrons will all get the full interview which you know includes some more Emma Caulfield thoughts includes a spoiler includes some other stuff Uh, so yeah I think Jenny that was a that was a long uh, chat we had but very important a lot of important stuff to talk about very important things but I think that like we should probably let's get Get into it. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we'll be watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free. I am Kristen Russo. And I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And this week we're talking about season three, episode 16, Doppelgangland. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Doppelgangland was written and directed by Joss Whedon. You may have heard of him. And it aired on February 23rd, 1999. This is the one where, while casting a magic spell, Anya and Willow accidentally summon Willow's evil double from an alternate universe an alternate universe and we decided that an alternate universe podcast land maybe we did the intro reverse yeah i feel weird it's it's very weird it's very weird i'm sure you all felt weird i think everybody felt like what is going on so this is an immersive experience (laughs) we wanted you to get a taste of what it might have felt like for vampire willow or Mm. you know what i mean for vampire willow really that's what it felt like she opened her eyes and everything was askew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all about her experience, uh, centering the experience of a uh, bloodthirsty, <laughs> soulless vampire <laughs> who is forced to live in a world yes. of pink, fleshy, and sold humans. <laughs> Disgusting. A, a nightmare. A living Total nightmare. nightmare. So, so this is um, season faith episode Vampire Willow, uh-huh. right? That's yes. in the in the new listing, in the new episode listing we're creating. That's its official title. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, but I feel like we must start with the fact that this episode 
fucking rules. It's really great. It's so good. It's so good. You heard up in the in the intro, if you listen to our intros, that we are going to get to talk to Lonnie Diane Rich, mm-hmm. one of our many doppelgangers. One of our many doppelgangers, yes. Uh, just another person out there uh, digging into the Buffy universe. Yes, yes. So we're very excited because we talked to Lonnie and a lot of the stuff that we talk about is about the like story structure of this and also of like the series as a whole. Yes. Really good, good shit. So we're going to get to that later, uh, but it is headed your way we're also uh, very soon because we can't wait we're not going to be able to hold back for very long on the fashion watch just moments from now and, and this is important folks if you're driving your cars I want you, you might want to pull over you might, for safety before, yes because we all have a lot of feelings about this episode we tweeted out to ask you about your feelings about this episode and oh boy you Everybody, had them I was really actually very happy because so many of you responded with quotes from the episode mm. and I was like this is good because I am going to be delivering more quotes from this episode than maybe any other yeah the highest density maybe of great lines just Incredible, so far. incredible. But, um, you know, so many of us had uh, awakenings watching mm. this episode. Just, you know, really, all of a sudden we were just watching a television show, minding our own business, and blam, uh-huh. there was Vampire Willow licking the neck of regular Willow. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. We were like, what is happening to our bodies <laughs> and our minds? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, just, it's a very... Listen. Reality, the edges of reality began to warp around us yeah. and crackle season, and melt. Season three is is the gayest season, perhaps. There's a lot. There's a lot of gay on. shit in this season. Uh, and so, you know who wasn't immune to all the gay shit going on in this season and specifically this episode? Uh, Kate Leth. Uh, obviously. My friend and yours. <laughs> obviously. Kate Leth doesn't even get to talk about the fact that at one point Giles is sucking on a lollipop. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, we, what, in what universe would that ever not be a that part might of Kate's be alternate reality Giles. Right. Alternate reality Giles. But the sexual tension in this episode was just so high that our Kate Leth well, she couldn't even express it in, in regular words, could she, Jenny? No, no. She had to go hard or so, go home. Yeah. And we thought about making you wait till the end to listen to this, but we're not. We decided instead we're going to just jump right into yes. it right yes. now. Yes. Uh, reminder, this is a, this is big. This is a big deal and you're not Sit ready down. for it. No matter how ready you think you are, you're not ready for it. God damn it. Kate Leth. was pissed because she sorely missed having power being feared so she sought out a witch to help her make a switch the necklace that would let her get weird but she wasn't that thick Willow saw through her trick when Anya poured that magic sand Still what she didn't know was what would come and go After it had passed through her hands Doppelgangland Vampire Willow I Favorite Scooby 
jingles because how you just yeah needed yeah, to. yeah 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 and i hope that you all took our advice because we don't fuck around we're not going to tell you to pull over your damn cars uh-huh. unless, unless it's necessary it's necessary i don't even know i asked kate if she was going to retire after this because i don't right? know like where do you go I from thought, here in bad girls i thought how could it right. get any better yes, than this exactly and a musical oh my it's god too much kate texted us and was like i don't know i mean i i might have to do a song for this but I can't do a song. We were like, uh, uh, okay. And then like the and then she was like, day, I did a song. She was like, no, I did And it's it. perfect. <laughs> I so... thought about asking you guys to do the backup O's, but then I just did them too. <laughs> Which is Jenny. That's Jenny's favorite part of that little ditty. Yes. 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 
So if you need to possess this song that Kate has created, you can. It is up on our Patreon page. It is free. You do not even need to be a patron. We would never keep this from you. You just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on Patreon, and it'll be one of the top posts. Uh, you will see it. will be there for you. You're welcome, universe. Kate, 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 Queen Kate. Thank you so much for gracing us with this. We almost made it the whole episode, you know, just um, yeah, right, just <laughs> like a, a yep. three-minute episode. Yeah, <laughs> enough said. Uh, however, had we done that, we would have missed the re-entrance of Jenny's favorite character, Anya. Anyanka is here. And she is talking to who, Jenny? De Hoffren, of De Hoffren. course. Janine just knew De Hoffren's name as though it were like her uncle De Hoffren. She she know I don't I'm sorry. I I Jenny's looking at me like, of course I knew it. What are you? Who are you? You're my wife who can't remember anything. And I'm I your, should remember. Excuse me. I'm your wife who can't remember anything fair, but I am your wife who has seen the series one time. Mm. So I don't I didn't remember who yes. De Hoffren was. I thought, yes. oh, who's this demon? With his chin ponytail. His chin ponytail, his workman's boots. He's sort of like bottom half, just got off a shift at the Sunnydale docks. <laughs> Top half, uh, demon supreme lording over all the vengeance demons. Yes, yes, yes. Jenny made us retape that because she said chaos demons the first time. And she Unacceptable. stopped. She froze in her fucking tracks and was like, excuse me, but I have misspoke. So we retaped her thoughts on the bottom and top half of De Hoffren. I love De Hoffren And like, I don't know him as well as apparently you what do. What do you like about him? I mean, I just like him as a demon. I think he's a fun demon. I mm. think because he's like a casual Friday demon, you know? He's sure, like, yeah. I'm not tied to wearing demon garb. I'll wear sure, what I sure. want to wear, and I'll put my ponytail beard in it. The chin pony. Yeah, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but the thing I don't like about him, and here's the deal. Why can't demons cut their fingernails? Why don't they cut their fingernails? You know what I mean? Dehoffren's not going to use- All the better to rend and tear your weak you mortal flesh. Is that what Dehoffren's going to do? Use his fingernails? Is that what the master did? No. The master had no dirt or grime under those fingernails. Well, that's because he had Luke, <laughs> his in-house nail person. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like the long- this. My one bone to pick with Dehoffren is- Yeah, it's a bummer. I don't want to see it. Uh, Willow- is graduating. Floating pencils all willy-nilly. Yes. This is a big deal. It's like, I mean, the, the CGI, is that what you would call this? I guess so. Is that even, I don't know if that's correct, but the whatever is used to make the pencil spin is is very funny. Uh, <laughs> but it's, but it's you know, it's 1999. And I think, yeah, I think probably in the context of 1999, that looked amazing. Yes, exactly. And also in the context of the reality of Sunnydale, this is a big deal. Yes. Willow's not just packing a satchel full of herbs here. No, 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 no. She's levitating and spinning a pencil, which is pretty big magic. I mean, if I did that, I would be like, wow, I, you know. <laughs> so you've never done that? Uh, I was just, I was, I was trying to cover for myself, like pretending I had never done mm -hmm. it. If I had done that, I would be like, wow. No, I've never levitated a pencil, but as discussed in previous episodes, I think I can. So... While they're having this conversation and Buffy is doing like the most half-assed crunches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, Buffy. She's basically just trying to strain her neck while building no muscle anywhere. She's like a wet spaghetti noodle doing crunches. Bless her. Yeah. I mean, she probably had to shoot this a bunch of times in a row and <laughs> having conversation while you do crunches is like hard to do, except I guess if you're the Slayer, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is like arguably not the Slayer. Oh, so okay. Fine. Get I accept the point. it. The point is they have this exchange where they're talking about 
how Faith isn't going to be on the cover of Sanity Fair. Sanity Fair. Shout out Joanna Robinson. You hear that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and Buffy says, well, in, under different circumstances, that could be me. And Willow says, no, some people just don't have that in them. So what do you make of this? Well, okay. So here's here's what I make of it. You brought this up and it got me to thinking. And I realized this is just a setup, right? Like this right. is right. setting us up for Willow being like, some people are just good and some people are just not. And like that's sort of Willow's understanding of reality at the start of the episode. But then, of course, we're going to go on this journey where Willow's going to learn, oh, no, like this. like There's an infinite number of variations that could happen to my life based on the circumstances that right. I uh, engage with. Exactly. And in this episode, it's certainly just go- I think that the, the through line ends there. It's just like anybody can be vampire Willow, even even Willow, you know, like we all have right. many permutations of whatever. But in the context of what we've been talking about with Faith and Faith's choices and Buffy and Buffy's choices, it is really important. And I guess there is a thread here because it is that is where this conversation is rooted of just thinking about people's circumstances and people's life experience and how that might affect them. And that, no, n- people aren't just born evil or like with the capacity like like person a isn't born with the capacity for evil and person b is not it's i don't know if vampire willow would just pull herself up by her bootstraps (laughs) yeah and like work hard enough to get her soul back yeah and become a good person good point thank you yes very logical everyone even vampires have access to being good people God damn it, this world. Okay. So, so Willow and Percy are going to breed. Yes. Great. Very there's exciting. Like one, of the, one of the lines, there's a lot of them in this episode, as we mentioned, but Willow's saying, you want us to breed? It's pretty <laughs> great. Snyder's prime Snyder. Yeah. This, this like Armin Shimmerman's light touch. Like a lot of the time he's really like beating it over the head, which <laughs> I love. It's like a perfume. <laughs> Armin Shimmerman. Light, light touch. touch. So... <laughs> I just feel like he's really subtler in this scene than he is a lot of the time. Which yeah. I like both variations, but it's it's really fun to see this. Yeah, he's not like, you know, in Go Fish, he was like, athletes rule and everybody else sucks. But in this, he's just like, you're, you're all, all garbage. You're all garbage. <laughs> so Go get me a trophy. <laughs> so figure it out. Also, just a quick note to the fact that on Snyder's desk, there is a picture of a child. Who is that child? Who is the child? We know that that is not Snyder's child. Snyder can't be reproducing no, slash maybe married. He, he doesn't, doesn't have like, a girlfriend. You think if the like picture people, came in the frame? I do. I think it's the kid from the frame. Yeah, it's the kid from the frame, and uh, it's used as a decoy to like help. You know, it's like oh all... to convince parents that he's that uh, he understands and relates to them sure. or something. I don't know. Sure, I don't know. Now, okay, we have so much to cover that I almost don't want to talk about some of the smaller things, but I have to. It's my job. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So uh, this is a big sweater episode for Willow, and we know that. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know it's a pink fuzzy sweater. It's the one that Hot Topic chose of all the sweaters to make to make again yes, yes, for us of course. in this day and age. Uh, so some of you might be listening to the episode wearing that very sweater. It's possible <laughs> that that is happening right now. Not outside the realm of possibility. No, but a sweater, a lesser known sweater, happens in this scene and the next, uh, and I call it Willow's vulva sweater. Okay, so and yes, and what? <laughs> It just looks like a vagina. There looks like a vulva on her on her sweater. It's oh. just it, that's all I'm saying. And and given the nature of this episode, maybe it was chosen on purpose. It's like a Georgia O'Keeffe wow uh, situation. Sure, sure. It's, just, it's subtle, but I noticed it. I noticed the the, even... the, the famous Georgia O'Keeffe line available in the Macy's Junior <laughs> section. <laughs> Listen, Jenny. 
I notice even the most subtle of vulvas, okay? <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> so, Princess Margaret and Faith <laughs> enter the library. So yeah, yeah. Is, Wesley can't keep up with Faith, um, but who can? Obviously. I mean, what kind of test did they design where the watcher has to keep up with the Slayer? That Ridiculous. doesn't even make any sense. So um, Wesley is, as I referred to him uh, once before, he is uh, Wesley Winded Price in this, <laughs> <laughs> this moment. Uh, he cannot keep up. But also, this is like weird. This was like a, we had a conversation because I was like, wait, wasn't, didn't we end the last episode where Faith was like... Buffy killed a man. Bye. And like, and then she like got captured by the council and then she kicked Wesley in the face. Yeah. And then she like jumped out of a moving truck and then, so, and then, and then. Right. So we missed, I think, a few and thens because we got from there to here where they are doing this fitness test for Slayer rehabilitation <laughs> or it's something. They're just both being tested. Yeah. Uh, to make sure they're in, in working order. Yeah. Just what you need. Just what you need is to get tested to see if you're in working order by a bunch of tweed men in a castle. Yeah. The patriarchy! Contains a delightful nugget. Uh, just, just, oh boy. Faith is leaned up against oh my God. the circulation desk. And she's, uh, Buffy's about to go on her, her test now right, to right, do her right. thing with Wesley. And, and there's definitely, it's tense between them. Yes, it's tense. And Faith does this move, which is like, I want to touch her and I want to connect with her, but I need to do it in a way that seems casual. And she fails. <laughs> she looks like she's pushing off the edge of a swimming pool, you know, and then like collides with Buffy. And I think you pointed out to me that it looks like she's like going to like punch her in the shoulder and then she's like, no, too gay. And then yeah. she like opens her hand and like sort of like brushes, yeah. caresses her shoulder, but like in a pushing way. <laughs> And it just, like, comes off even gay. It's a real it thing. If you are a queer person, you've done this. Like, you've yeah. had, if not this, you've had some moment like this where you're trying to just make, I mean, listen, probably if you're any person and yeah. you have tried to flirt or not even flirt, but just, like, be cool around somebody who you are totally not cool around. Yes. Just really good. Really, really, really good. And you know what else is good, as you already mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again since we're here chronologically, Giles is eating a lollipop. Giles is Giles eating is eating a lollipop. Yes. What is happening? <laughs> I want a shirt that just says Giles is eating a lollipop. Sure. It's just you for have me. That just shirt. one version of, of it just for me. Uh, so Willow is uh, hacking into, the, or trying to hack into the mayor's files. Classic Willow hacking. Which is, yeah. <laughs> Which is important because it sets us up really for a lot of the rest of the things that yes. happen in this episode. Um, Faith notices this and immediately, so, so slyly, yeah, yeah. really not noticeable. Very at all, subtle. Faith is like, so can you? Uh, can you do that? Uh, and then immediately goes and reports this to the mayor, who she is now working for. Yes, yes. At, with uh, prime benefits. Pri I was going to say, with you kind of understand in some some ways how this job is really paying her off a little bit better than her last job. Yeah. We've been waiting for anyone. Maybe the council should uh, really assess their payment structure. Oh, you think? You think maybe? No, the teen girls should uh, fight and die for free. Yeah, teen girls. And then girls the, the old w white men in, in tweed should get paid. Should get paid enough cool. to get multiple tweed jackets. Sure, and, sure, sure. And tweed mugs. Not cheap. And green mugs that are quite uh, expensive. Yeah. Collectors, jadeite <laughs> mugs. Mm -hmm. 
Although Giles is living in a fairly modest apartment, I think his his water heater is exposed. Okay. <laughs> okay, but regardless. Regardless, she's got a PlayStation. She's got a... PlayStation. A, just a clean, not disgusting place to live. Mm-hmm. She also, like, has a weird... I don't know if that's a chaise lounge or, like, what that is. That couch that sort of, like, yeah. looks like a ocean wave. And she <laughs> it's mauve, and she, like, runs her hand down it. And I feel like that is not... I could not suspend my disbelief right. uh, around, like, Faith being enthusiastic about that particular piece of furniture. I, I can. I believe it, actually. Because you're you're linking Faith's, like, your attachment to Faith's queer identity to your own and where you would not maybe appreciate. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> a chase lounge. But this is 1999. That's true. Faith, Things were less gay then. Yeah. And fa- <laughs> Faith, like, I feel like Faith is, uh, she she's lived in a fucking shitty motel and who knows yeah. where she lived before that. Yeah. So she's like, this is the best of the best okay. nothing has felt to my fingers like that this chase since Except i ran my that. hands yeah. through <laughs> buffy's hair <laughs> okay so so a few things that are important happen in this scene um one i think one of your favorite exchanges happens at the top of this scene oh Jenny. my god i love it so much when they're talking about how she's finally out of the motel and uh the mayor's like yeah there are immoral liaisons going on at the hotel and Faith's like, yeah, plus all the screwing. <laughs> Great. Right. And Great. then speaking of screwing. What do you think she thinks immoral liaisons are? She probably just thinks it means something bad. Like, have mm. you ever, I mean, probably Oh, yeah. Not. As a kid, like, with context clues, you're like, mm, yeah. Yeah. That thing sounds bad. Uh, like, that's very sweet, Jenny, that you, Jenny's experience is that, that it's just as a, as a kid, you had that experience. But for oh. a lot of us, including myself, that is still a very active part of my uh, way that I hear other people. Jenny knows a lot of, you know a lot of words. You know a lot of words. You can admit it. You know a lot of words, but some of us don't. And I still have experiences like that where people say something and I just infer from the context clues. You're like, mm, yes. And I'm like, right, quite. yes, Then you stroke your goatee and yes. pull on your pipe. And- <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of screwing, another important exchange, I think, happens here because like Faith has been set up as a character who really believes that her body is something that she should use as a means to exchange for, you know, other things that she needs, right? That she's like, she doesn't have an attachment to sex and she notices that all the boys are into her and all the girls. <laughs> and and she and she uses like a tactic of hers. And she she goes for it in this scene with the mayor where she's like, I've always wanted a sugar daddy. And the mayor kind of comes back and says like, no, I'm a family I'm man. I'm a family man. And what do you think the mayor's family looks like? I don't think the mayor has a family. He's just like, he just identifies yeah. as a family man with no family. Oh, oh so <laughs> sad. <laughs> but now Faith is becoming his right. daughter. Oh, his chosen family. Oh, no. Oh, my even, goodness. He's still evil. Even evil, yes. evil people can have right. a vulnerability. Yes. And Great. That's yes. lovely. Yes. And and I mean, right. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot. Going on. We talked with Andrew T a little bit about, like, I think the, like, how do we know which side is evil, right? And we're right. Only, totally. We're, seeing we're it from just a skewed... seeing it. It's like how Gryffindor is the only, like, clearly great house in wow. you just, the Harry just Potter novels off their, their... because you're seeing everything through Harry's eyes. And it's like, people are in Ravenclaw are like really smart, but like some of them are loopy and, and some of them are snobs and people in Hufflepuff are like good allies, but like they're real dumb and they love to snack. And everyone in <laughs> Slytherin is just evil. Like how that you wouldn't have a school that was like, and then um, 
evil. Right, 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 right. Also, for the record, Jenny is a Ravenclaw and I am a Hufflepuff and I do love to snack. <laughs> and as mentioned just moments ago, I do sometimes not understand words. But uh, but I get your point. It's, it's you know, uh, whose perspective are we coming to this from? Right, anyway, of course. But then, like, the mayor says we're going to kill your little friend. So, yeah, not great. Not a lot to argue about there. I don't think. But he also is respectful and he's like, I'm not going to ask you to do it. Not this early in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, That's the nice. mayor. The mayor has his ducks in a, in a row. Yeah. You got to give that to the mayor. Oh, evil does. dad. So then we get now we're now we're getting here. Now we're starting to dig right in the elements that will lead us to victory. Victory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I consider it victory. Oz and Willow have an exchange, right? There's like Oh a yeah. Stack There's of- this like oh yeah, just like wham bam pow. Yeah, it's just a, a series of, of events that lead Willow to feeling like she is old reliable. That's the, that's right. the third. So right, Oz, right. you know, Oz and Willow have an exchange. She can't go to the show. She has to do homework. She's like, why did you assume I couldn't go? But then, of course, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And then Percy is like, uh, I don't have time at lunch. I got to hang out, mm, which is a line yes. that I And he's like, like, do my homework for me. That's what Snyder said. Yep, exactly. And so Willow's like, man, is this just like who I just, this is who I am? And then uh-huh, uh-huh. unbeknownst to Buffy and Xander, <laughs> this has been brewing. So when Buffy uh, says, see, I told you Willow would know about biology or whatever because she's old reliable. It's the straw on the camel's back. The straw on the vampire camel's back. Yes, yes. Mm, vampire camel. <laughs> they could fit so much blood in their Ooh. dromedary hump. Oh my god, is that what it's called? You well, freak. It's a well. The camels with one one hump are dromedary, and then one the ones with two humps. Uh, it starts with a B, but I can't remember be- because of the it's the same shape as the letter. They're back. Dromedary for D. Uh huh. And bromedary for B. Not not bromedary. Baludary. B- b- I I wanted to say it was like bromelain or something, but that's a supplement that I take to uh, <laughs> p- pat down my cat allergies. <laughs> anyway. Wow. So. Uh, right. So old reliable, and this is a brilliant exchange just in general, the like old reliable, old faithful, old faithful, old yeller. Yeah, great. Who's on first situation yeah, here. Totally. But uh it leads Willow to be like, you know what, guys? I'm gonna eat my damn banana and it's <laughs> not even lunchtime. I might change my look. You don't know what I'll do. Right. And so this is this is what the episode hinges on because yes. if anything else had happened in that day. If a butterfly had flapped its wings, yes, yes, who knows what would have happened? But in this reality, this set of events has led Willow to run into Anya in the hall, who is looking for Willow because she's heard about her pencil levitation, or maybe just saw it because if Willow was just doing it in the courtyard, yeah, yeah, and uh, notably carrying a math book yes. that is facing the camera, so that we can be reminded that she's flunking math, which I don't buy. Uh, yeah, you just reminded me that we sk- we talked about DeHoffrin and we didn't talk about Anya's monologue at the top. Yes. Which, like, let's just, everybody hang tight. We're going to get to this fucking spell. But, like, can we just hear a little bit of Anya's monologue? For a thousand years, I wielded the powers of the wish. I brought ruin to the heads of unfaithful men. I brought forth destruction and chaos for the pleasure of the lower beings I was feared and worshipped across the mortal globe, and now I'm stuck at Sunnydale High. Mortal. Child. And I'm flunking math. Okay, so 
just brilliant. I mean, Emma Caulfield, fuck, man. She's just so uh-huh. she's just so good. Yeah. She's so good. And uh and this this really sets it up. She's bad at math, mathematics, notebook or uh, textbook in her hands, but also she needs to do this spell. And so because of the Willow trilogy of events, Willow's like, is it dangerous? I'll <laughs> fucking do it. She's a little disappointed when Anya lies and, and says, says that it's not. It's not dangerous. But um, off they go together. Yes. yes. So Anya has prepared this spell. She's been getting ready for some time. She went down to Color Me Mine and got a plate and hand-painted a convincing likeness of her missing <laughs> necklace onto the plate and then uh, glazed it and then waited while it was fired in the pottery firing yes. glaze kiln. Right. To her with a bunch of other eight-year-olds. Well, I was picture. Oh, really? I was picturing like wine moms. Oh, that's that's what happens in the evening. Or it's, okay, maybe it's a mix, <laughs> the wine moms and their eight-year-olds. <laughs> so, right. So the, the deal with the spell is the purple dust, when the purple dust touches the thing, it's going to be pulled. It's going to create yes. a temporal fold. Ugh, love a temporal fold. Right. Who doesn't? And it's going to pull the object that it touches from that reality into this reality. Yes. Pretty cool. Pretty cool spell. Six spell. Yeah. I want to nice. do that. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't work because I blame Anya. Because Anya has not prepared Willow. Yeah, no warning of the like weird flashes that she's going to see of an alternate reality she has no recollection of. Right, that, that include her. That, right, you know what in I mean? A, a like vampire form. If you need somebody to carefully pour purple dust on an item, you should probably warn them a little bit that they might need to brace themselves. Yeah, right. And but then, so Willow sees these flashes and she gets freaked out. So she puts. First, we see an intense struggle of like, yes. are we going to pour the sand or are we not going to pour the sand? <laughs> and then. Her Purple lights are also. Where did she get the pur- is the purple sand from the sand art it's, store it's, next door to Color uh, Me Mine? I think the purple sand is from Uncle Bob's Magic. Oh shop. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, okay. I think that's where it's from. But so it spills on Willow, and we yes. see Vampire Willow disappear out of yes. the universe, which we of course last saw in The Wish. Yes. Uh, I can't imagine that any of you have watched this episode without watching The Wish, but it's just in case you have. There's a whole back. episode about Watch that other reality. So somehow you shouldn't see it. Yeah, you should go there and see that. Uh, so Willow is pissed, right? And she yeah. realizes this She's is been not... hoodwinked. Yes, she has been hoodwinked. And there's some great lines in this oh, ending man. when Willow gets mad. First, she says, did you try looking inside the sofa in hell? Which is up there for me with, I hope evil takes MasterCard. Yeah, Lots of great lines in a short amount of uh, this series. Yes, right now. pretty great. And then, you know, it's, that line is not to be topped by the next line, but they're both great, which is uh, she snatches the chicken feet and says, Oh, my God. I believe these chicken feet are mine. <laughs> it's like, what? Didn't you just use them? Can you reuse chicken feet while you're doing Ooh, dark arts? Probably. Mm. I believe you could probably use chicken. If you don't dunk them in a cauldron and get them all mm, soggy, okay. you know, I think. It's a more of a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we hung out with Joanna Robinson recently, and she suggested that we have a cauldron in our house. That I just re- reminded myself of that. Do you remember her suggesting that we keep our firewood for our fireplace yeah. in a cauldron? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because I feel like Joanna Robinson has yet to be inside of our home, mm-hmm. w- which is a uh, tear in my heart. But without like sort of having any idea like what our decor situation is, yeah. she felt very confident that a cauldron would fit. And she wasn't wrong. 
No, she was not wrong at all. So, you but know. she said it has to be an iron cauldron. It can't be like a plastic cauldron. I mean, I'm nobody sorry. wants the a plastic you, cauldron. Why but like, would you even say that? Like we would consider no, a no, plastic no, 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 no. Of course not. But think about how heavy an iron cauldron would be. Right. It's probably as heavy as our iron coffee table. And imagine we had a plastic cauldron. Jenny, a plastic cauldron is for one thing. It's for Halloween candy. And that, that is the only reason for a plastic cauldron. Oh, my God. I was not suggesting God's that we sake. get I just, oh, my God. Oh. Okay. So, so, Vampire Willow hath arrived. Here come Willow. She's a vampire Willow and she ain't got time for you. Here come Willow. She's a bird. She has woken up. She does not know where she is. But you know what is interesting about where she is? Wherever it might be. Her fucking hand is is just sitting in some sunlight that's streaming in (laughs) from the window. uh, Just letting you all know. Well, I guess she's just real powerful. Mm, You know? Maybe she brought some of those witch powers over to her vampire powers. Sure. And she's got some double whammy shit happening. You don't know, Jenny. Double whammy shit. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Allison Hannigan is a fucking genius. Okay? I'm just going to start there. We have a lot of scenes that we're going to get into, obviously, but like just to generally give it a shout out, it's like we see Allison Hannigan playing Vampire Willow in Vampire Willow's clothing, Willow in Willow's clothing, (laughs) Willow in Vampire Willow's clothing, and Vampire Willow in Willow's clothing. Oh my God. And she nails every single piece of it. And also had a huge hand in creating the popular idiom like a vampire willow in regular willow's clothing. <laughs> yeah, I say that all the time. Me too. <laughs> so she rules and we're going to we'll, you know, give her credit in each piece of this. But just a general note that holy shit, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is just we didn't great, great job. Great, great fucking pick. writing here. Great yeah. fucking story. Speaking of story, I think now would be a fantastic time to hear from our friend and yours, Lonnie Diane Rich. Lonnie is a patriarchy smasher by trade. Uh, She is the owner of Chipperish Media, where she talks about stories and storytelling. She's a story expert, an award-winning podcaster, a New York Times bestselling novelist, and she does a Buffy video series and podcast called Still Pretty. So, uh, yeah, so, and I think Lonnie's in season six or seven over there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, seven. and and has plans to restart back at one. So, you know, just letting you know, there's some more Buffy fun for you. But Lonnie talked with Jenny and I about this episode, but also kind of about general Buffy arc feelings. So this yeah, is, yeah, from a story-centric perspective. Yeah, which was really fun and really amazing. And we're going to play a, a piece of the interview here. But if you want to hear the whole interview, because we did get into some of the specifics of, of the episode. With and some spoilers. With some spoilers. Um, so if you want to hear all of that, um, we'll be putting that up for our patrons. But we, we gave you the, the good chunk of the story pieces here in what we're about to share. Hello, 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 Lonnie. So, uh, Lonnie, should I say your full name, Lonnie Diane Rich? Well, you can if you want to, but that usually invokes that a-, a spell. So, you know, it can uh, yeah, be very yeah. <laughs> What if, but if I have to say it three times, probably to exactly. invoke a mirror. It's like the yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say it out loud three times, I'm going to show up in your living room. So you just want to be careful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so we are so excited 
uh, to speak with you, Lonnie, you're like, we wanted to speak to you of our own volition, but also the internet has just been a flutter for so long <laughs> saying, uh, Kristen, Jenny, Lonnie, uh, we know that you need to speak to each other about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's <laughs> very important. I know. I feel like I'm being set up on a date, you know, because everybody's like, like, you yes, would be yes, so yes. perfect together. You guys have to meet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is it. You're witnessing our very first date, listeners. Yes. This is it. It's happening. But really, thank you for talking to us and you know there's so many different angles I feel like the three of us could uh, come together uh, to talk about Buffy mm -hmm. you know there's just so many different pieces of expertise that you have specifically it's like I, I emailed you to, to be like what exactly do you want me to say when I introduce you because you have literally done 100 million <laughs> things you've written books and you're a professor and you you know what I mean just like you have a Buffy series that you do you just have done a lot of things that all overlap with the things that we discuss over here so it's pretty awesome that well, thank you. I mean, I really appreciate it. And I cannot tell you guys what a huge fan I am of you and your work. Like that is, it is amazing to me, first of all, that the podcast is as good as it is, but that you write a song for every episode, which by the way, <laughs> I have to say, like, just as a fan, I love so much and the jingles and everything like you guys are exactly the Buffy podcast that I have always wanted. <laughs> you know? Wow! So I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh my God. No, you guys are everything. <laughs> that is that is a very high compliment <laughs> coming so from uh, coming from you. Yes. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm a story nerd. So like I go deep into like the narrative and how it all functions. And, and I talk about a lot of these things from the perspective of writers. And I tend to get really kind of caught in that space. And you guys come in and you have such a broad like sociological context for everything that you talk about with Buffy. But you're also really fun and your fans. And then you write this amazing music on top of it. Like I feel like you guys cast a spell too. I feel like there's been some kind of Faustian bargain <laughs> to get that much talent don't, in one marriage. Like, I don't, I don't, don't, don't blow our cover, Lonnie. <laughs> they don't need to know we're relying on magic. <laughs> hey, baby, you do what um, you got to do, man, to pull it out. You know? <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that is what is so exciting. I mean, I think in general doing like podcasting or, or blogging or writing or, you know, whatever it is, like taking something that already exists and pulling it apart is so fun because you take your life experience and what you've learned and apply it. So it's like, we're looking at Buffy one way and mm -hmm. you're looking at Buffy another way. And of course there's overlap, but you could pull this. I make a joke. Is it a joke that when we get to the end of the series, we'll just start right back at the beginning again, that like it, it, it will never end. You can, yeah, no, that's you know, what I'm doing. Different ways at it. <laughs> we're right? still pretty. I am in season seven. I'm still pretty right now. And when I finish season seven, I'm starting over again at the beginning. I'm going. Through oh my gosh. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. I was hopeful that that was a thing. So I'm glad to hear yes, that that is yes, the plan. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's that is phenomenal. absolutely the plan because Buffy, Buffy, I think, is one of the like, I mean, and seriously, one of the great literary texts of our time. And I say that without like any hyperbole, without any irony. I really fully believe that. I think that there are things that are happening in Buffy. There are things that are being discussed in Buffy um, that are so important. And it's so important to look at from that deeper level. And a lot of times people, you know, look at literature and they think, you know, it's got to be like this classic canon that if you're not reading Dostoevsky, it's not worth your time 
or whatever. But I really like I think that that Buffy and there are a lot of other television series, a lot of other, you know, modern pop culture, you know, properties that actually really do fall into that space where you can go back in and you can find new things with every watch. You know, Shakespeare in his time was regarded as like this very casual kind of, you know, for the groundlings, you know, kind of guy like and he would. But what he did, the work that he did was obviously so powerful that we're still talking about it like four or five hundred years later. And I think that Buffy honestly is on that level. And I I don't mind saying that I will go on the record. I think it's on level with Shakespeare. (laughs) I think there's huge amounts of value there. I think it's on level with with Jane Austen. I think that if you can keep going back to something over and over and over again and still get value out of it, there's something Mm -hmm. there worth talking about. And the thing that's so great about Buffy is that, you know, Buffy works in this space of of fantasy, which really comes down to me. Fantasy is always about metaphor. It's always about being able to isolate certain experiences, certain human experiences, and bring them into this metaphorical space so that you can look at them, you know, with focus, you know, which is one of the things you can't do in life, you know, (laughs) because everything's a mess and complicated. But it simplifies things, yeah. And we, like, we could have brought you in on any episode, but this one we thought was a little extra fun. Yes. Um, A, because as you mentioned, Doppelgangland is, like, has a really incredible story. Oh, yeah. So we are very excited to hear what you have to say about the story. But also because, you know, Doppelgangland plays on this fact that, like, there are many realities. And it's like, if, if Jenny and I exist over here in this reality and we're looking at Buffy, we feel like you're in another reality looking at Buffy. And we yes. sort of have, you know, I don't know which Willow you want to be. Oh, but... I'll be Evil Willow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's like top pick, right? Who doesn't want to be vampire Willow? Pull Let's off that outfit someday. That's what yes. I want to be. Yes. <laughs> when she looks down and goes, "Hey, look at those!" I'm like, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's basically me. I'm Good Willow in Evil Willow's outfit. That's what." I am. <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing! <laughs> Um, so yeah, so let's, I mean, let's dig into what your thoughts are on this story. Jenny and I just did a rewatch right before we're, uh, having this conversation because we just wanted it to be super fresh in our minds and like, damn, it's such a good episode. Isn't it delightful? It is so good. It is structured like a Swiss freaking watch, you know, which yes. is one of the things you come to expect from Joss Whedon. And this of course was written by Joss Whedon. We have Jane Espenson as executive story editor, and then we have Doug Petrie, a story editor. And these are three. I mean, there are a lot of talented people. I could go on about the writing staff for days on this show. But these are three of possibly the most talented people like I've ever seen. And to have them all combined on one episode, I think, is kind of astounding. Um, They work so, so well together. Whenever Jane Espenson and Doug Petrie work together, those episodes are usually exceptional. But this one, honestly, is one of my favorites in the whole series. Absolutely nothing is wasted. Every moment feeds into everything else and we build it up so beautifully when they see, you know, Vampire Willow and they all go back to the library. And then, of course, Angel comes in you know, and he's like, I have oh to tell God. you something. It's this big dramatic moment. It's <laughs> right, so right. beautifully structured and escalated and, and put together, you know, and then to have, of course, Oz yeah. playing when, you know, Vamp Willow walks in and to see his face. And how is Oz cool no matter what? Like his girlfriend has been vamped as far as he can tell <laughs> and he's so chill he's just like and then he's telling angel what to do <laughs> like here is, yeah here he's is oz. so oz is so good in a crisis he's so tough yes. like he can fit in angel's pocket i believe xander said that about him once you know but like he is like <laughs> go get buffy now and he's telling him what to do and i was like yeah oz <laughs> right 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like something, and I'm sure that this is what comes when you have that team that you were mentioning, mm-hmm. but like something that was really compelling to me was how Willow, how evil Willow, vampire Willow mm-hmm. was not just one dimensional, you know, like I just yeah. felt like in the story. Yeah, in the storyline, it could have it would have been so easy to just have her like evil and wanting to kill everybody. But she mm-hmm. sort of is like not like she's so sad, and it just seemed like a very specifically brilliant choice yeah. for her. Well, it is right because one of the things that you need to do with characters is you need to make sure they have strengths, weaknesses, and vulnerabilities in order to make them compelling, right? Because without vulnerability, we can't connect with each other, and we connect with mm. characters and fiction as though they are real people. Like how we respond to these characters is as though they. They are real people. We connect with them in the same way. And it's only through seeing that vulnerability that we end up being able to make that emotional connection. So when you're able to make an emotional connection with an antagonist, when we see that vulnerability, we had that with Spike and Drusilla, right? Because they loved each other. Even as bad guys, they had that love for each other that made them vulnerable. And that's what makes them compelling. We have this here with Faith and the mayor, right? They love each other Mm -hmm. and they have that relationship and that makes them vulnerable. When Faith has that, you know, that wonderful scene where she's, you know, getting her apartment from the mayor and she's bouncing around and she's so excited. Mm -hmm. Like that whole thing with the two of them is so compelling and you see how deeply they care for each other, even while they're doing evil things. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I had for you is how, you know, you love Buffy, yes. obviously. Mm-hmm. We all, that's why we're all here. Yes. Uh, and so I'm wondering how Buffy has sort of interfaced with the work that you do, especially in a way of telling stories. Oh, I have learned, like, most of what I know about storytelling, I learned from Buffy. Um, I have watched, <laughs> I, I watch Buffy, I use it in my classes when I talk about dialogue, when I talk about structure, when I talk about episodic television. Buffy is one of the first television shows to do this sort of Russian nesting doll of structure, right? You've got the episode that you're that you're in at the moment, and that episode is part of this bigger season arc. And then that season arc actually landed nicely over seven seasons. So we have mm-hmm. sort of these nesting structures. Um, and Buffy's one of the first television shows to do that. Prior to Buffy, prior to, you know, like the early 90s, you know, when we started, people started, or the late 80s, early 90s, when they started, ta- you know, taping things on VCR, and you could actually go back and rewatch these episodes without waiting for like, you know, some random, you know, rerun over the summer in which you might miss Mm -hmm. some of the episodes, right? You could actually start following a story. So Joss Whedon was kind of like right at the forefront of this idea of telling a highly serialized story that is contained within the season itself, that the season itself is a complete story and every episode contributes to that story, which is where we get our big bads for each season. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's so interesting the way that they did that. And and so, so much of uh, when I started studying storytelling I'd written a novel I wrote a novel without knowing anything I just like la, 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 I'm gonna write a novel and then it ended up getting published because I don't know I don't know how that happened but um but I didn't know anything about storytelling it was like I really want to understand it and it was right at about that time that I discovered Buffy and Buffy lit me up from the, you know mm-hmm. that a crazy ex-girlfriend yeah. I feel like glitter is exploding inside of me I don't know if you yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> this is me and Buffy, you know? Um, right, and right. So I would go in and I would study what they would do, like on this, you know, really, you know, deep episodic level, like the way in which the, the dialogue bounces back and forth. It's like a dance, you know? Mm. Um, and then you pull out further and you see how all of the scenes build on each other and escalate the story until we get to the end of the episode. And then the episodic story is resolved, but we'll still have things that are hanging out there, you know, like the mayor and faith. That's part of the bigger story. Right. And we move all this stuff along together and it's like all of these gears interlocking and it's beautiful. And I'm not going to say that every episode of Buffy, you know, is perfect. By uh, you don't like beer bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've had a couple, we had to go fish. I'm just saying like, I mean, there's, there's stuff happens, but what is really amazing is just how incredibly strong the craft of Buffy is along with this like magical, you know, metaphorical, we're talking about all of these human experiences that Buffy is, it can be so funny sometimes. And it can also make you weep. I mean, I still becoming, I cannot with becoming mm-hmm. I am. I, if mm-hmm. I watch becoming, I'm in the fetal position weeping for the rest of the day. That's just how it works. <laughs> I got to have a whole day to watch that episode. I feel you on yeah, there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, seriously. It's um, it's devastating. And it's because we always work within this very deep metaphorical space. We always work within these like real difficult emotional spaces. And Joss Whedon, one of the things I love about him is that he always finds our way to consequence. You know, like whatever anybody does, unless it's Xander, that's a whole other discussion. But whatever anybody <laughs> (laughs) does if they do something bad there's a consequence for it and you see that consequence through you know and and that experience you know fiction allows us to process the things in our own lives that are too complex or too hard or too hurtful for us to really look at directly you go to fiction and that's where you can address those things through somebody else's experience and joss whedon knows how to like turn that knife so well (laughs) you know this is brilliant because it's what you bring to the table that Jenny and I don't you know what I mean like we don't have the knowledge that you have to sort of crack it open in this way so I'm Jenny just kept looking at me while you were talking and nodding like yeah (laughs) (laughs) um Lonnie thank you so much for talking to us and this is certainly not even close to the last time that we're all going to talk together about Buffy because I I feel like yeah you know I mean I mean listen it's our first date I don't want to put too much pressure on you like you know you sit with it yeah I gotta gotta, I gotta calm down (laughs) oh no I'm totally into it let's move in together I'm there like okay Great. Amazing. Oh, my God. We'll finally have uh, someone else's Buffy stuff to intermingle with our Buffy yeah. stuff in the guest room. Yeah, together, <laughs> right. I think we could probably furnish a house at this point. I imagine. I imagine stuff. we could. No, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm such a huge fan of both of you. I think you're both incredible. I love the podcast. Everything you do, I'm going to follow you forever because I just think you're amazing. Oh, back at you, back at you. And I know that so many of our listeners know where to find you, but specifically, will you tell them where they can find Still Pretty uh, because I know they're going to want to devour that if they haven't already. Yeah, Still Pretty is a YouTube um, show that I do. I also have it available in podcast. If you go to YouTube and search under Chipperish, which is like chipper gibberish, um, there's a long story about that, but that's just basically who I am. Um, You can find it there. You can search under Still Pretty. If you go to chipperish.com, you can find all of the stuff that I do, including all of my, um, my story narrative work. I have a podcast called How Story Works that is all about narrative theory. So if you would like to know all of the things that I've learned from Buffy, it's all in there. So you can find me there. 
Amazing, amazing. And we'll put all of that, of course, in the show notes oh, too, so you. you all can find it. Um, and uh, Lonnie, thank you again. Thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. It's been so much fun talking to you guys. And I can't wait to hear the song. Yeah. <laughs> What a treasure. Oh, such a delight. And I'm sure that we will be speaking with Lonnie again about many other things. I've been listening to Lonnie's How Story Works podcast. Yeah. Uh, which I want to highly recommend to anybody who makes anything or who just is generally interested in the craft of story. It is so awesome. And it's like broken into like very digestible, like seven, eight minute episodes. And mm -hmm. they each tackle like a different sort of idea. And then they all kind of like attach to each other kind of like a story Buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> where, where there's an arc within an episode and then an arc within a season and then an arc within the series are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back get 15% back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week May 6th to May 13th it's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so we go to the bronze. Oh my gosh. And Kay's choice is opening. Opening for Dingo Save Dingo My Baby. Save so my Dingo Save My Baby got a strong pull in Sunnydale. Mm -hmm. um, Kay's choice, Jenny. I have some things to say. I mean, they the Kay's choice playing made me have all the feeling. 90s music in general, and I'm sure that people feel like this about whatever like era that they were a teenager in, sure. you know? Yeah. At least I think a lot of people who are teenagers hold really tightly to music. And so the music of that era becomes threaded in your soul. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but we watched Lady Bird and that mm -hmm. did what this scene does. Like it just is, it pulls on things yeah. for me. And so I wanted to say a couple of things about Kay's choice and Please. about music. Uh, the first being that when I, when we watched this scene, I had all those feelings and it reminded me of having just listened through everybody else is doing it. So why can't we? And I listened to it because of course, as I'm sure all of you know, we recently lost 
Dolores O'Riordan, mm-hmm. um, the lead singer of the Cranberries, and that was an album. That album and the White album. No need to argue. No need to argue were albums that I listened to on repeat. Uh, I and they, you know, they just have that. They like they hold little cells in my being. And yeah. we didn't um, talk about this in our last episode, although this had already happened. And I just feel like, given this, given the fact that this is a podcast where we dig into the '90s, and mm-hmm. obviously for Jenny and I, both the '90s is our teenage years we are we are parallel to Buffy in age Mm and you know I just wanted to pay some respect to Dolores and the Cranberries um and and just say that we're very sad by her passing and Jenny I know her music meant so much to you too yes my first favorite band and my first favorite singer um I probably have listened to everybody else is doing it so why can't we and no need to argue more than most other records I've ever listened to I couldn't begin to try to count uh the number of times I've listened to them uh, yeah. And they both have like something very, they each are very like unique, especially the first album like has this very ethereal quality to it that just feels like it just feels like its own little micro universe. Um, I love those songs. I love those records. Love Dolores. Bye, Dolores. Thank yes. you. Yes. And, and you know, the, the the thing that stirred that up was this way that Kay's Choice makes me feel, you know, that we like pan into the bronze and I was like, oh man, I have all the feelings. I also apparently have a crush on the lead singer of Kay's Choice. Wow. Okay. I'm going to just skate right past that (laughs) um, and tell you what my history is with Kay's Choice. My introduction to Kay's Choice is that I went to the very first uh, run of the Lilith Fair tour. You Uh, should have a badge for that. Thank you. As a high schooler. I believe I did too. Do you know what year it was? I don't know what year it was. Okay, we'll have to look it up. But it was up. just whatever the first year Find was. Find out. Yeah, let's see who's more, who has more cred. Yeah, yeah, who has more 90s cred. <laughs> um, I went to this concert, this festival, and immediately upon entering the festival grounds, there were like all these people like handing out free stuff. And I was handed two things. One was a cassette, a sampler uh, cassette tape with songs on it. Cassettes are the thing that came before CDs, which are the thing that came before MP3s. Uh-huh. And vinyl actually is interesting because it's now and it's also way back. Yes, it's the bookend. So, right, right. So they were handing out these free cassettes uh, with a bunch of songs on them. With, you know, artists that are like, you know, would be of interest to people going to the Little Fair, I guess. Right, right, right. And um, one of the first songs was Not an Addict by Kay's Choice. Hell yeah. Which I listened to many times and enjoyed Heartily. And the second thing that I received uh, in the handout area of the Lilith Fair, uh-huh. I took home and used and was like, wow, this is amazing. I've never heard of anything like this, and this is going to be huge. And what it was <laughs> was a Biore <laughs> pore cleansing nose strip. You fucking called it, Jenny. Yes, I am a genius. It was a sh- I can yes and no products. All the day long and tell you whether your invention will be a success. The start of a revolution, the Biore nose strip. And we were there for the dawn of it. Truly. Uh, Okay, so so Kay's Choice is playing in the bronze just after probably coming off a Lilith Fair. Sure. And um, Vampire Willow is the year at the bronze. Yeah, and she's like, this isn't right. Right. She's like, things feel funny. Uh Uh-huh. She can't figure out why she does a stroll down Sunnydale's main strip and Uh is uh like, hmm... And she, but she still hasn't put it together. She really doesn't put it completely together until she sees Xander. 
But before right. that, we get this incredible interaction with Percy, who's like, why do you look like that? And, yeah, and well, you're supposed to be doing my homework, and for the rest of the year, like, I own you. And immediately we discover that actually who's getting owned is Percy yeah. by Vampire Willow. Because she throws him across the bronze, then she picks him up by the neck. Then Xander intervenes yes. because he thinks uh, the reverse kind of, uh, of violence is happening. Uh, and then Percy, like, runs away. Yes. Like a scared little baby. And this, like, so what I love is we had Vampire Willow in The Wish. And, and listen, I love her. But she wasn't this version of Vampire Willow. This version of Vampire Willow is so pouty and sad. So and I, sad. I just adore the way that it's brought to the delivery of the lines and stuff where she's like, I'm having a terrible night. You know, she's <laughs> just so pouty and I love it. So, right, so Xander realizes, whoa, Willow, you, what are you? You took this, you're going to dress differently to an extreme, but I'll I'll support it. You know, everybody's kind of afraid. They don't want to make Willow, like, more upset or Uh feel uh worse than she felt earlier. And then Buffy walks in, and Buffy's like, aren't you going to introduce me to your, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Classic. And uh, it's all kind of funny until... Well, yeah, and Buffy's like, it's a leather thing. And it's like, Buffy, we've seen you uh, adjacent to leather before, and you didn't seem to have an issue when Faith was wearing it. That's true. And, you know, if Willow was going to be going hard in one direction, it probably would be in the leather direction because she's really felt very threatened of Faith. uh Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyhow, then... Willow whips around in vamp face. And, oh, no. Right. This is, like, sad. It's played really well because it's, like, we know, the viewer knows right. that Willow isn't dead, so they can't take it too far. Right. But they let us know, of course, that this is devastating for all of for all of them, for Buffy, for Xander, and then soon to be Giles. And eventually, of course, uh, Detective Angel will <laughs> be on the case and figure it out himself. Yes, yes. Detective Angel. Oh, boy. I just, sorry. Any chance we have He's to- He's on the case. <laughs> Any chance we have to use that new little tiny mini jingle, we will, because <laughs> we love it. Um, so, okay. So, right. So, everybody thinks Willow is dead, but before we, like, go into the scene in the library where they're all mourning this, we go to the alley- where uh, yes. <laughs> this vampire is like straight up has a, a like a clipboard. He's like, uh, Willow Rosenberg. <laughs> is, that, is that your name? Yes. Okay. It is you. I am. Can you sign here for imminent death, please? Yes. <laughs> so Willow, vampire Willow has this great, this is like, I've seen this gif a lot. Like, I feel like this mm. is the snapping of the fingers. Who do you work for? Yeah, uh, yeah. One snap is the mayor. Two snaps is you. I work for you, boss. Yep, yep, uh, so yep. That's, that's fun. And then we go to the library where everyone is like, <laughs> oh, my God, Willow is dead. Buffy it's is so it is. great. It's, it's really, it's so great because you can see that they're sad, but the way that it's written and shot, it's so funny. So funny because we have. Because uh, we know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The like Giles being like, she was the best of all of us. And Xander <laughs> being like, way better than me. And Giles being like, much, much better. <laughs> so uh, great. And then there's just, this scene is really full of a lot of really funny moments. That moment, there's then, of course, Willow walks in mm-hmm. and is like, who died? Who died? <laughs> 
And Xander comes at her with the crucifix in just mm-hmm. a, what is a really good uh, physical comedy moment for yeah, Xander. Yeah. Yes. Very, or for Xander. Uh, for Nicholas shake Brendan. this thing and turn it back right. on. Right. Really funny. And then there's this incredible hug situation oh where Giles is, you know, first Buffy and Xander hug Willow and then they, they pull back and Willow's like, whew. And then Giles, Giles what's up with these freaks? Uh, and he just attacks Willow in a huge bear hug and it is just so special. And then all of that, you're still laughing and fucking everyone looks to Giles like, how is this possible? And, <laughs> and Giles is like, mm, something, uh, something terribly strange is happening. Hmm. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's so good. It's a great, wonderfully executed scene, as are, as it's pretty much every scene of this episode. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Anya, Anya wants a beer. Anya just can't get a beer. I love, this is, I think, the only time we've ever seen anyone working on the service end at the bronze. Oh, yeah. True. True. That it happens very rarely. And this yeah. guy is not having it. No. ID. ID. Which does, I don't really buy. I feel like the bronze's whole vibe is that it's they're like, going to be where lenient. teens come to drink. Yeah, when I was in college, this is great. I'm sure this place is gone. I hope it's gone. Whoops. Uh, when I was in college, there I won't name it, just in case it's still there. God, imagine the bar shut down because of buffering the Vampire Slayer's uh, admission. So when I was in college, I went to SUNY Binghamton, and there was a bar, one of the bars, where I was – first of all, I was 17 when I went to college. I wasn't even 18. So there were some places that I couldn't go – that did card because I wasn't even at the 18 mark. Mm -hmm. But this particular bar, your ID was your Binghamton ID. Oh, wow. You just showed them your Binghamton fucking ID. That's fucked. And you went in and you drank whatever you wanted. Beer, I guess. is... Yeah. And you want to know what's even crazier? Is that I, at the time, as I mentioned that I had, was big into camcorders when I was a teen and even in my college years, I loved making movies. I just like loved filming things and whatever. And so I had that camcorder or a different camcorder, who knows, when I was in college and I would film all sorts oh of things. Oh my God. And my roommate at the time, I had two roommates and one of them did a great uh, impression of uh, the hosts of 2020, uh, which at the time was Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters. Mm. And so we would do segments where she would be like, and this is Hugh Downs on 2020. And then we would do like a report. So <laughs> we decided one night that it would be hilarious to do a report on 2020 on underage drinking at this bar. These um, fuckers let us come in with a video camera. My God. And so somewhere in the universe, who knows where it is, Probably. there's a video of us sitting at the table drinking beer as 17, 18 year olds and being like, we're at this bar that doesn't ideas. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. My God. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. Uh, but Anya can't get beer. Which Anya can't get beer. Yes. Devin wants a roadie. Then we see Angel and Oz talking to each other. And I was just trying to remember if we've ever seen Oz and Angel talking to each other without anybody else around before. Oh, good because question. They both have a similar sort of like, <laughs> yes. um, like quantitatively, their like syllabic output yes. is low, but for yes. different reasons. Like right. Oz is like cool and weird. And Angel is dramatic, emotionally cor- uh, corrupted. Wow, <laughs> like <laughs> harsh. He just like he's all fucked up. Like he's overthinking it all the time, right? And like holds back a lot, <laughs> and like doesn't want to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and whatever. And uh, meanwhile, Oz has like no issue being vulnerable, but like 
you know, the way that he communicates by default is just very, very minimalistic. Yes. And so this scene, you're right. It's it's pretty hilarious because they're both like, looking for Buffy as ever. Seen her? Not yet, said she Cho. And then, and then suddenly uh, vampires flood the bronze and yes. they're like, oh shit. Vamp tosses a person right through a table. Yep, classic. Classic vamp. bronze. But the bronze is fucked up after this. Uh, this Just is... in general, carpenters and um, contractors in general yeah. in uh, Sunnydale must be making a, no pun intended, killing. <laughs> yeah, they're in high demand. So Oz sees Willow. And says, get Buffy. And then Angel stealthily climbs <laughs> up the wall. I'll just, uh, they said nobody leave, nobody get hurt. So I'll just scale this rope like I'm in gym class in the <laughs> 70s. This like, I mean, Angel's a big guy On too, the stage you know, where like right. it's well lit. And <laughs> sort of like designed to be the central focal point of the room. Uh, yet another brilliant moment with Detective Angel. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> so Vampire Willow hath arrived. And um, maybe the best part of this scene is Devin being like, check out your girlfriend. Uh, he I- like, looks so stoked. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best part of the scene is uh, Sandy and Willow's. Oh, yeah. Which the old c- neck lick. Yeah, which comes in second, I think, for sexual tension okay. in this episode. Uh, is, you know, her being like, hello. Like, I just love how she goes over to her and she's like, hello there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely young lady you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so back at the library, Angel busts in. Willow's Moments dead. Ever ha- after having just uh, scaled the gym class rope, right. he vaults into the library and is like looking very distraught. Yes. This is another kind of like, nah, it's not a who's on first, but it's that same kind of comedic delivery of like, Willow's dead. Hey, Willow. And then like, r- you know, like the <laughs> beat after being like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and Giles' eyebrows as he's uh, watching Angel put it together the way right. that they just all went through putting it together. Yeah. And so I think the... Two important things happen in this scene. Uh, well, a, a couple. One is Willow. You know, they are, they're all off to the bronze. They're going to go. They're right, going right, to right, you right. Know, deal with the situation. And, and so the first thing is Willow saying, wait, what are you going to do with me? Mm-hmm. And that's the introduction of this, like, this is weird, right? Like, this is me. It's not somebody who looks like me. Like, it just is yeah. me. And and Willow doesn't want Vampire Willow to die, or at least feels very conflicted about it at this point. Uh, and then, of course, the second most important thing, well, the most important thing, but the second thing is that they all leave. And who's there but Vampire Willow? Alone at last! Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, look at me. I'm all fuzzy. What do I want with you? Your little school friend Anya said that you're the one that brought me here. She said that you could get me back to my world. Oh. Oh. Oops. But I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the two of us. I uh, don't mean to startle anyone, but I um I wrote an erotic novel, Jenny. Oh, what's your? I might have also written an erotic novel. What? What? I mean, not to. Obviously, I would never. I know what no. you do is an art form, and like I'm sure mine is just there's. 
yeah. derivative. Listen, but... there's room for all of the erotic novels, Jenny. Do you you want me? Oh, to... your erotic novels are like quotes, though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. why I thought it was funny that you were saying I don't want to encroach on your artistic. Right, right, right. Okay, since mine, mine literally... is uh, you wrote your own. Ma- yes, original material. Incredible, incredible. So I'll start with mine since it's source material, uh, and then you can you okay. can read yours. Okay, so my erotic novel is. I kind of like the idea of two of us. We could be a team. If you came around to my way of thinking, what do you say? <laughs> Want to be bad? <laughs> uh, so That is really good and also something Faith could have said to Buffy. Oh, yeah. Recently. For sure. I mean, it's the leather. You know, brings out the erotic yeah, novel in all of us. Totally. <laughs> so, so what's yours, Jenny? So my erotic novel is Willow Licking Willow. Willow Throwing Willow. Willow, trank darting Willow. Wow. It's just a list of Willow doing stuff to Willow, depending on, you know, in in different directions. It's it's real. I I would say that that's closer to a poem, I think. Yeah, almost a haiku. Yeah. Maybe maybe we could work on it. Yeah, let's let's, uh, sand down those syllables. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So speaking of Willow darting Willow, that is what happens here. There's a great oh fucking moment for Vamp Willow when she just looks at her and she's like, bitch. Yes, great. <laughs> very, great. like, very reminiscent of Heather's, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Corn yeah. nuts. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then we assume uh, Fuzzy Willow runs after everyone and is like, wait, don't go to the bronze yet. First, come back and drag yes. Vampire Willow into the library cage with, you know, wouldn't you stop keeping the um like very valuable texts in the in locker the where you occasionally have to store a violent werewolf or a I don't think unconscious interest, vampire it, it doesn't seem like anyone's ever had interest in destroying the books you know uh, right but like wouldn't you just assume that if something is evil it will probably want to destroy your uh, maybe one of a kind i find having having texts. owned a kitten that i often learn things after they happen so i i believe that oh they're just waiting for tragedy to strike <laughs> yeah, before they, they make don't. a rule they don't know it yet. So um, this is a conversation. Now Now everyone's back, and Vamp Willow is in the cage. And, oh, yeah. and, and regular Willow is sort of reflecting here. I'm so evil, she says, and, and skanky. And I think I'm kind of gay. Mm-hmm. And Angel and Buffy share this moment where, you know, because Willow is like, well, who says it? Buffy says well, you know, Willow, that's, you know, disregard that. That's not you. That's like, uh, you know, you, you're it's totally not you at all. It's, it's how she looks at Angel, right? That's really how Buffy views Angel oh. as it's one, it's two different things. The two right. don't overlap. And it's, right. I think for Buffy, a coping mechanism yes, of totally. sorts. And so then Angel has this moment where he says, well, actually, and he never finishes his sentiment, but you get the idea that he's suggesting that, that Willow is skanky. But that Willow is skanky. He's suggesting that these qualities that we're seeing in alternate reality versions of people are not just sourced from nothing. Mm-hmm. They might be perhaps sourced from something, but he sort of realizes halfway through his sentence that, you know, it's Best comforting to just keep that. It's comforting to Willow to hold on to the last thread of this, you know, I could never be these things. Right, right. Or whatever, however you want to interpret that. So then we go back to the bronze. 
Is there anything better than regular Willow walking around in a Vampire Willow's nothing. dominatrix outfit? Nothing. There's nothing <laughs> better. Like, I mean, the but, way that they introduce it with like, they must re- be, really be afraid of you. And Willow's like walking <laughs> like she's wearing a fucking human suit for the first time. So Who wouldn't be? Good. Oh, gosh. Look at those, she says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's so incredible, Allison Hannigan. I just can't. I just cannot. Like, the ability to walk around in that outfit as Vamp Willow and then as Willow in Vamp Willow's outfit is just unbelievable. And you yeah, say, is you there know, anything better? There isn't. But, I mean, Vampire Willow in that fuzzy fucking sweater. That's also great. Is also just great. I get the same feeling watching this episode that I get from watching Orphan Black, where I, like, forget that yes. Tatiana Maslany is yes. one person. Yes. You know, because she... So clearly oh, creates individual characters yeah. that I'm just like, yeah, wait, who plays Allison again? No, wait, no, no. Right, Dummy. right. They're like, all the same I person. I sometimes forget, like, and I'm waiting for, like, a cast photo, you know, of all of them. Right, And I'm right. like, oh, no, it's literally all her. So, so when, they, when she re-enters the bronze, I just want to highlight that it is silent and I think it's weird that, like, the vampires aren't listening to, like, Rasputina or Typo Negative <laughs> or something. <laughs> Fair. I question that choice. (laughs) I I killed her. Also, did Kay's choice already load out or are they in peril also? Ooh, great question. We should hit up Mm. Kay's choice and ask them Mm -hmm. since they are Kay's choice in both universes. Mm -hmm. Um, So Willow delivers her first line or one of her first lines. She's explaining that she killed, she killed the other girl. I killed her and sucked her blood as we vampires do. She oh my says, God. And Anya is horrified. What are you talking about, you like, fool? How are we going to get back? I told you that that was your only way back. Why would you do something like that? And then this is where having a podcast just isn't enough for this. You oh really need to. I want to be able to show this clip of fucking Willow waving. Giving a quick wave to Oz. It is <laughs> miraculous. Priceless. It is so fucking great. It is and oh, then, so and then also we get a quick shot of Devin hiding behind the drums, which oh, is hilarious. I missed that. And then Willow goes on to roast herself and is just like, I killed her. <laughs> she was weak and letting people walk all over her and then getting cranky at her friends for no reason. Right. So she had to die. And they like, I feel like Oz and her have this moment where like they both recognize that Willow's working through some of her shit <laughs> <laughs> in this moment. So now we're back to the library where the reverse has happened. Cordelia is like on her way maybe to like a, a gala. A gala. Oh, she gotta be I a was gala. gonna say an Academy Awards uh, viewing party at Ooh. the country club. Like where all the yes. wives dress up mm-hmm. and go and are served dinner yes. and watch. All the, the wives and daughters, or or just Cordelia is going to hang out with all the wives. I'm, because of the nature of her outfit, I feel that she is. A grown woman, right? In this. Well, that's inter- That's an interesting point to bring up, Jenny, because the we're we're starting to walk into territory. I mean, we kind of flirted. That nobody with it. wants no pun intended. To see. But last episode, we sort of had this scene between Wesley and Cordelia, and we were like, oh, but Wesley thought that she was a teacher, so right, right. We made a little bit of allowances for this, and. It's just interesting to hear you say, well, she she really looks like a grown woman. And she's clearly, yeah, trying to, she's right? She's clearly trying to. And it's like, 
uh, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but you know we can since we're here. The the scene that sort of happens in the bathroom after mm. what we're about to discuss mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, not, not it's great. not great. I mean, it's it's not, and it's not Cordelia. It's not Cordelia putting on a dress and trying to look adult. It's not you know. It's Wesley like knowing now. Wesley right, that knows she is now a student. that she's a student, and he still is really not keeping it together. And so, you know, we just put a pin in it. We see this, what have you. Now, let's let's go back. Let's go back. Cordelia's in. Let's talk about the enjoyable part of Cordelia. First of all, before Cordelia even walks in, Vampire Willow wakes up and, like, pulls (laughs) her sweater away from her body and is like, ugh. This is a nightmare. <laughs> and her voice isn't like the, the Allison Hannigan's differentiation yeah, between yeah. their vocal registers totally. is really something to be noted. So, okay. So then Cordelia walks in in her Academy Award <laughs> viewing party dress and Vampire Willow and Willow. Now we're seeing what Angel means, right? There is a shared thread between them because the exact delivery of, of Willow in Vampire Willow's suit or outfit it would being like uh that is what vampires do is exactly <laughs> what vampire willow does in the willow oh outfit, yeah where she's like let me out i'm so helpless and then my <laughs> favorite line that she says in the outfit is i like books because i'm shy <laughs> it's just amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's really it's good. amazing really good so now Cordelia is about to let Willow out because she thinks it's, of course, she thinks it's Willow. But then she realizes she has a captive audience and yes. she has some things that she's really been needing to get off her chest about the fine art of boyfriend stealing. Yes. And this is great. I, I particularly <laughs> enjoy, we had a lot of back and forth about like Cordelia and Xander and like, why were they together? Like, what was it? Because it just didn't seem to make sense and it didn't make sense to them. And Cordelia has this line, we were always being put in life and death situations and that's sexy. And I was like, I see you, Cordelia. Mm. That is sexy. So I just wanted to shout that out. Um, something I think is worth noting here, too, is that, and we'll see this uh, moving forward through the series at different times, sometimes uh, two characters need to have a conversation mm-hmm. or admit something or whatever, and they can't do it in the conventional sense, like, because it just, like, it doesn't fit with the characters or, like, I mean, in this case, it's also just, like, way more fun to watch Cordelia talk Vampire Willow's face off. But also, I feel like this is probably going to get us over a bump, like a tension, an existing tension between Willow and Cordelia without actual Willow and Cordelia having to sit down and be like, hey, that really hurt me. And Willow being like, I'm really sorry. Totally. Totally. Good point. (laughs) So then, um, then Vampire Willow says, how about dinner? Wait, but first she says, I'll never steal your boyfriend again. Oh, which pisses <laughs> Cordelia off. As if you could. As if. As, as if. if. And we're originating the as it. No, I guess. Yeah. When did Clueless come out? Uh, Clueless came out in 95. So um, she did not originate as if. She but didn't even she's s- nailing it. She's nailing the as the if vibe. personality. Yes. Uh, so, so Cordelia is like... I'll let, let you out. I'll let yeah. you out. Okay. Yeah, we've had our talk, and um, and I think you should be let out now. And also, also, doesn't she say, "Do I have something on my neck?" Yes, yes, oh, yes. Vampire Willow's like, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexual yeah, yeah. tension. Oh my. Um, 
<laughs> so then, of course, it's Vampire Willow, and she's chasing after Cordelia. And I just really need to give Cordelia a shout out for these desk moves that she has. Oh, yeah. She's, she's so putting good. together desks. Yes, just yes, one. Yes. But meticulously. Yes. And I just think, great job. Great job, Cordy. Strong survival instinct. Um, Wesley hears a scream. And okay, listen. Yes. Just a quick side thing. Yeah. I can swallow, okay, the librarian is in the library at any hour of the night. Sure. Okay, three students are also, and the only people ever, but in the library at any hour of the night. A guy who's not employed by the school, just this random British guy, is just like in the high school whenever. Right. Just. Saying. Also not even in the library, just walking, just walking the halls. down the halls like a creep. So this is, I mean, uh, Alexis Denisov's com- like comedy is just un- brilliant. It's just brilliant. Like he's so incredible at his like startle moves and yes, his screams his and his shrieking. It's just, it's just delightful. And men in combat. Right, right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So he has a lot of incredible like moments in this scene where he's terrified and of course pretends like he's brave and you know, whatever. But as we discussed, this scene is. "Eh." Yeah. And they hug and it's like, no, 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 no. And I was going to say this earlier, like about Giles hugging Willow. Yeah. Where like, you know, taken a la carte, like it, it would be very easy to be like, Whoa, that librarian, that school librarian is right. hugging a student. But at this point, they've been fighting yes. evil side by side yes. for three years. And Giles has like a real like They're... patriarchal in the good sense of the word mm-hmm. relationship to all of the Scoobies. You know, he's yeah. like le- leader dad. Totally. I mean, they've they've grieved loss together. Yeah. They're, they're definitely They're family. Yes. That is, I think that is the difference. And this is not. This is not. Um, also Cordelia getting a real Cordelia moment in here where they're like, Willow, they they got Willow, and she's like, So, what are you? Uh, yeah, mm, classic Cordelia. Uh, Cordy. So back at the bronze. So back at the bronze. Well, uh, back at the bronze, a little we had a little moment that I want to just shout, which is when <laughs> Willow in Vampire Willow's clothing tries to be Vampire Willow, <laughs> and she <laughs> says, I'm so bored instead of bored now. And <laughs> she, yes. she runs her fingers, she attempts to run her fingers through a girl's hair, and yeah. they get stuck. I like that she <laughs> that is hilarious, and also that she was like okay, I got to do this to girls specifically. Yes, Got to yes. center on girls. Yes. Uh, and of course, then doubt begins to set in uh, amongst right, the vampires. Right. And they had a pretty good plan and she, she was executing it pretty well at first, yeah. sending a vamp out at a time to get staked. Yeah, and she makes a compelling argument. I'm a blood-sucking fiend. Look at my <laughs> outfit. <laughs> yes. And then, to, to, again, we're just like quoting Jenny and I. This is Jenny and Kristen uh, just read the script of fine. That's fine. <laughs> but she says, could a human do this? And this is another one of these moments that is just so hysterically funny and done. It's executed brilliantly where yeah. she screams and there's a beat and everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A human could a, a, do that, human actually. Could, mm-hmm. could, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know about humans? Then Willow punches Anya. Holy. There's so much. Okay, let's just, let's give it, we have to give the sexual tension award out because, you know, Willow, Willow and Anya have a thing. Cordelia and Vampire Willow have a thing. Don't ever forget about, what was her name? Sonia? 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 Sandy. 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 Don't forget about (laughs) Sandy. But um, Jenny, let's play the, let's play the jingle and give this award out. Show attention, no more. 
all know where it's going. I mean, could you imagine? We would get fired. We would fire ourselves yes. if we did not give the Sexual Tension Award in this episode to... Regular Willow and Vampire Willow. It's really good. Thank you. Uh, they've earned it. They've earned it. Congratulations, mail. It's ladies. the first time that we'll have to send trophies to do different realities, but I think <laughs> I think we can figure it out. <laughs> Great. So the bronze is destroyed. Um, Willow and Vampire Willow are now fighting each other in reverse clothing which is great so great so great and regular willow and vampire willow's clothing is like no more snuggles <laughs> <laughs> she's about to get choked out this is a little they, they push the choke out a little bit because it goes on and it, on it and goes on. on and it's like that vampire is really strong it wouldn't take that long it wouldn't take that long oh but maybe but- it was Autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh my god! Or I'm what I was I thought, sorry. I thought we were having the same realization. Oh, what was your realization? my realization was maybe Vampire Willow also can't kill herself. Oh my god! You know because it would. Uh, you know it's wild that they can even touch because uh, you know some law uh, of some yeah uh, multidimensional physics I believe or uh, multidimensional reality like dictates that the same object cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Ah, interesting. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, maybe because she's a vampire and because of metaphysics, mm. it's canceled out, but also maybe she can't hurt herself. But she has punched herself but a bunch I, of I meant emotionally. Oh. <laughs> Boy. I meant emotionally. Whoops. Like maybe, like that's the only space that I think I would give this is that, because otherwise Willow would be probably dead, but also not just dead. When Buffy comes over to kill Vampire Willow, regular Willow still has enough breath to say, Buffy, no. Like it isn't even, you know, she she can fully speak. So a little mm. yeah, there, but we'll chalk it up to uh, Vampire Willow having an emotional difficult, right, uh, right. difficult time killing herself just as regular Willow has an emotionally difficult time killing her vampire self. So... We're winding right around to the bend, to the end here, which is good because we've been talking for a long time. There's a lot to talk about. It's a big episode. So we have captured, we, we've all captured Vampire Willow and the decision has been made to release Vampire Willow back Back into the wild, into the wild, which which I stand behind. I mean, I know that Vampire Willow is a vampire, but it's, they disrupted her environment. Yes. And I I really stand on the side of this reasoning that um they they didn't have rights to interfere with that no. reality. No, 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 no. And um so they're going to release her back into the wild and she's very very excited to go back mm-hmm. to when she came. Um she says a nice goodbye to Willow, which is punctuated by Willow's eyes widening and her hands, saying hands hands but it's really sweet, the relationship that they have to each other. I really like it. I mean, I know it's like whatever Vampire Willow is like being all sexy and Willow Willow is being like, what? But they, they have like a, a respect and uh, appreciation for each other, I think. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. They're also sort of like two halves. Like Willow is like too good to be a real person, right? And uh, Vampire Willow is, of course, just default evil. So if you put them together yes. uh, in combination, then they like sort of average out to like one regular person. Yeah, well, and and that's kind of, I mean, I don't know that I would describe it exactly like that, but that is kind of where we get, which is 
Vampire Willow is sent back, and of course we get Fortunately. this unfortunate scene where she's sent back the moment before she is uh, dusted. Uh, but then we go to school, and uh, you know Willow's sort of saying to Buffy, like, between me and my evil self, I have double guilt coupons. You know, she's yeah, just yeah, yeah. all over the map here. But then she has a moment with Percy where Percy doesn't understand, of course, anything that's happened, but knows that he has a respect and uh, fear, fear, fear of Willow now. And so he's done his work. He's, he's brought- done double his work because yes. he wasn't sure which President Roosevelt, plus a bibliography, plus an apple. Yes. Plus he promises he can do a better job yes. if she doesn't like what he's done so far. And it's a, it's a good moment for Willow because she realizes some of the strengths Yes. that vampire willow had and yes. that and that and bring it back to what angel said in the library i think she starts to realize that some of those strengths that vampire willow has are, are also, also inherently hers yes that she but possesses she just has to access them exactly Aww. so so that's special and good and you know, can we we played Vampire Willow's jingle, but I think Willow deserves a jingle at the end of this episode. Wow. She has gone on double a willow journey. jingle. Yes. Double Willow jingle for double willows. Who knows the square root of twelve hundred and twenty-five? Willow, who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive. Willow, Willow. Well, I dare say that's all the willow that's fit to print. <laughs> Thus, we make our exit yes. from this episode into the world. We shall. We shall. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. You are in this dimension. In this dimension, I am Jenny Owen Youngs. It is indisputable. When I'm not making this podcast, I am making music. And you can hear some of it over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash Buffering, where I have made a little playlist of some of my works. Uh, you can also give me a shout anytime on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and in this dimension, I am Kristen Russo. You can find more about me at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Jenny just mocked me from across the room. She I was shook her head back and forth and lip sank my <laughs> the spelling of my name. You can also find me at Kristen Nolene on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find more about the work that I do specifically with LGBTQ communities and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. And you can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can, of course, support our work. And you do. You do, really. Good gravy, Support you do. our work, which is how we just continue to uh, create more and more fun, like, events. And yes. it's just really, it's really because it's because of you. you. I like to spin that song as a positive, even though <laughs> Kelly was not happy <laughs> no, uh, no, no. about that person in that song. Anyway, um, because of you and your support, we really are able to do so much. If you'd like to support this podcast and our continued work, you can do that on Patreon. Uh, our Patreon page is a really fun place. Uh, we have three levels of giving and you get really fun things in exchange we also have kate leth's rendition of uh what, what would you title the song why why can't i do both why can't i be both <laughs> by kate leth mm. <laughs> maybe just both 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 by kate that's, leth that's that is perfect yes both 
So both is just one of the wonders that awaits you over on Patreon. Yes, and that's for everyone. But if you are a patron on our Patreon page, you will also get a ton of fun things. Uh, specific to this week, you'll get that full interview um, between us and Lonnie Diane Rich, which is super fun. Another way you can support us is going on over to iTunes and rating and reviewing us. It helps people find the podcast. And of course, you can help us by uh, purchasing some of our Buffy the Vampire Slayer-themed merchandise over in our store. Two new shirts this week. One that is, uh, you know, really inspired by Kate Leth, if we're going to oh, be yeah. real. I, I think the inspiration started there with that song. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Willow in the streets, Vampire Willow in the sheets. And then the beautiful design done by Mallory Volk, which is uh, the girl gang, local girl gang, the, the Slayers. Slayers, Buffy and Faith. That's a beautiful shirt. You can check it all out over in our store. Um, a reminder to those of you who were not able to get prom tickets here in Los Angeles, we'll be doing a meetup on March 11th in Griffith Park. More details to come on that. For those of you in other cities who are wanting to gather with your fellow Scoobies for prom celebrations of your own in any shape or form, mm -hmm. you know, they could take full prom uh, scale planning or they could be something smaller and more intimate. Uh, you can send us those details at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash promups which is also the hashtag we'll use so that we can see all of your beautiful, perfect faces mm -hmm. as you gather with each other in other cities. Please. All right. And until and next time. That's what we just decided to end with because of Vampire Willow. <laughs> Well, you'll never believe it, but this wild thing happened. Vampire Willow showed up from a different dimension. When we first saw the double, she avoided detection. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. See, I accidentally hurt her feelings with Xander. Had this whole exchange involving old Yeller. Then we saw her at the bronze in full body leather. But we didn't know that we had the wrong way. Two for one, we lose this week. Buy one, get one free. Two for one, we lose this week. It's a doppelganger hooting nanny. Things got more confusing when she showed us her vamp face. Sent us crying to our library safe space. And we broke into Giles that our friend was in memory. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. When the willow we know came in, our brains couldn't hold. Out it on you did some temporal folding as she went necklace fishing, but she reeled in a hellion who seems kinda gay in that lady licking way. Two for one, willows this week. Buy one, get one free. Two for one, willows this week. It's a doppelganger hooting any. Nanya can't, can't even get a beer. Technically, she's underage. Never, 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 never fear. Cause Detective Angel is on the case. Two for one, Willow this week. Buy one, get one free. Two for one, Willow this week. It's a doppelganger hooting Eddie. Two for one. Willows this week, buy one, get one free, two for
We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics, which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman Saga and Lore Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you fifty bucks if you can tell me what Comic Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands. Mm-hmm.